And now, live, it's time. Carr will go back into the gun. Jacobs cuts middle, walks in. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs, touchdown. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We have a good team. We have a good team that competes with us at all the time. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We don't feel like effort's been an issue at all. It's the handoff. Bust toward the end. Jackpot, baby. Pinion Drake takes it home. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. The aftermath coming off the loss, Kansas City 41 and the Raiders 14. Mark Anderson will join us a little bit later on from the Review Journal. We appreciate Rod Woodson, who just joined us. He was on the national broadcast on radio. Harry Ruiz joins us, the Latino voice of the Silver and Black, play-by-play voice who called the game. And I was with you. Great to see you in the booth as the Deshaun Jackson fumble came out, which was really the turning point of the game. Yeah, that was a play that changed the game. Thanks for having me again, JT. You saw my face. I had my hands on my head. I was like, what just happened? I was in shock. And it's you can't understand it, but at the same time, we heard DC, we heard Hunter Renfro, Brian Edwards. Deshaun Jackson just wanted to make a play, and unfortunately, it didn't go his way. And he wishes he had it back, and hopefully he's going to have a lot of opportunities to make the right plays. But he had three days of practice a week to learn the playbook. He was on the field for nine plays. He had the opportunity to make a big one, and unfortunately, it's just a 38-yard reception and a loss of a ball for the Raiders. Yeah, it was interesting on that play. He caught that ball, and it was on the left side, and the end zone was wide open. And I, I, what I think happened in the game, I've seen the highlight or the low light a bunch, is I think he thought if he stopped abruptly and spun back to the middle of the field, the chief defenders would have flew by him. Right, because they were chasing him. He was behind him instead of just going to the ground or just taking off to the pylon in front of him. I don't know why, with his instincts and big playability, he turned back into the middle of the field. Yeah, and 14 years of experience in the NFL, and that's a mistake that is going to haunt him for hopefully at least just one or two days. And he just leaves it behind, have that short memory, that 24-hour rule. When you think about the good and the bad only for 24 hours and focus, Cincy, that's going to be a huge game on Sunday, JT. Harry Ruiz joins us, the Latino voice of the Raiders. So a couple other things before we get to Cincinnati. Third down, they were just terrible again. And and I talk about this, they don't run enough no huddle or just more up-tempo. They don't have to go complete no huddle because if you go no huddle, as you know, against Mahomes and you go three and out and you only spend about 45 seconds, I could come back, they could go up multiple scores on you. But I think that's the only way the Raiders can be very good. Am I right? The only way they can be very good, not average or below average, is they got to let this veteran car take over a game and run up to the ball and take more chances. Exactly. And then when you see the stats, they move the ball in their first third down with the five-yard rush by Josh Jacobs. But then in the rest of the eight third downs, they only had four offensive yards. And then Carr was sacked twice. So if you see nine total third down, the Raiders actually had negative yardage when you see the net yardage, minus five yards. That's unacceptable. You're not going to be able... A, to win games, and B, to compete in games if you can't move the ball in third downs. And I love that strategy that that you heard with Rod. That would be great for the Raiders, but they, I understand why they didn't use it against KC, but try it against Cincy. Yeah, I'm I just surprised by that because I think the Raiders, the Raiders are better when they're four wide, and Waller is the primary target, and they have a lot of receivers in the package. 
and they don't have a fullback, and we'll get to the update with Alec Engel going down. But I just like them when they're more aggressive. And I don't think it's an issue with the offensive coaches, Greg Olson, Johnny Morton, the guys I know well. They, they're the same offensive minds that were working with Gruden for a long time. It's that same offense, but it's a question of, when is it going to get out of the conservative stage of the offense? And then just the rest of the year, how about just playing balls out on offense and taking a lot more chances, a lot more deeper throws, get a flag or two more, and play a little bit faster? And we saw them let it rip against the Broncos and yeah. against the Eagles, and they did really well. And we understand what happened after the bye week and why they couldn't do it in these last two games. But hopefully with a week of practice now with Deshaun Jackson, another week where he can build chemistry with Derek Carr, when he could learn the playbook a little bit better and hopefully increase. He had nine offensive snaps this weekend and we were seeing him on the field during rushing attempts, not passing attempts. And he was there for his reception. Unfortunately didn't end well, but I, I'm confident that this Raiders team can just turn the page and on this Sunday do a way better job in that aspect. Harry Ruiz, the Spanish voice of the Raiders, does play-by-play, does an amazing job. We start our day together in the black hole. And that's something I wanted to talk about because in the black hole, that that tailgate's starting to get better and better. I I park in the media area where you do, and I cross over the street at Russell right there at the corner of Polaris, and we come right in, and that tailgate's now grooving. Now, the DJs are set up. You can see that J-Lot, which is really the official lot. You think of the Raiders now? That's the official lot. That's where the Raider Nation parties, and I always try to get there as early as possible. (laughs) That way I can have at least two and a half, three hours of just walking around the tailgate, see a lot of brothers and sisters from the Raider Nation, from Oakland, from L.A., from out here in Vegas. Fans from Mexico were out there yesterday, which I was very happy to see. They follow a lot of the content in La Nación Raiders, so they they appreciate that, and I was so happy to see the, the Raider Nation family embracing it, and little by little, JT, I don't know if it was because it was a late game, but we saw more and more rows of people, not just there parking, but also tailgating and having fun. Yeah, they were going to have a good time, and Kansas City fans were going to be there. They they were out in full force because it's the first ever game there, and they were rewarded with a victory. I want to go from the negative of the game now to what could happen with the win against Cincinnati. This has to be a win. Now it's a must-win. I wasn't going to say must-win when you're in first place, five and three. Nothing's a must-win, technically. Now, quickly, the entire season hinges on this game. Because if you can't beat Cincinnati at home and you can't beat Chicago at home, you're not going to make the playoffs. If you can beat Baltimore at home, Pittsburgh on the road, Cincinnati at home, get to six and four after ten games, and then catch Washington, catch Denver again, maybe get the Chargers at home. The Chargers are losing a lot of football games. There are manageable games the rest of the way. But, Harry, we can only talk about that for another five or six days because I think it's got to be make or break against the Bengals. How do you say it? It's 1-0 every week, JT. We can't look towards Dallas. We can't look towards Washington, the KC rematch. We got to go 1-0 this Sunday against Cincinnati, especially when you look at who KC is playing and how they've been playing the Dallas Cowboys. At the end of next week, both teams can end up with the same number right. of wins on the win column. So the, uh, I just finished my show, and my brothers and sisters from the Raider Nation in Mexico and the Latinos out here in the United States, they They were very pessimistic. And I'm like, guys, there's still a lot of football to be played. This was basically halftime of this game was the halfway of our season. Now that we got a a 17-game season, there's still eight games to be played, and the Raiders can take care of this. And now 
being three weeks after what happened after the bye week, I think the Raiders can take care of business, and it all starts with Cincinnati. If they can't beat Cincinnati and they start having those woes at home like they did last year, Mm -hmm. that's a big issue. And again, I could be wrong on this. I'm not paid to be right. I'm paid to have opinions. I always just tell people that. But if they don't beat Cincinnati, I, I don't know where the team goes. They, I think it's going to be good, just my thoughts with Rich Basaccia and Gus Bradley, to have the ability to come back on Wednesday and tell this team, look, this is it. Have them play under that type of pressure. Okay, have them come out of the tunnel with that type of pressure. This is a must win. We've tried everything else with you. You're not ready in the first quarter. You don't start games fast. Your body language isn't there. You're not playing with every sense of urgency. So how about pounding that message all week long in the locker room and at practice? This is it. You want to play in the playoffs? You want to get back to some positives here? Win this game. It's a must-win game. And show some intensity right out of the gate. Show heart. Show passion. Go into that Thanksgiving game with something positive in your side. Because if you get another loss, that's three straight defeats. And fortunately, JT... The only time in this season that the Raiders had lost two games before last night, how did they respond with back-to-back wins? Now they have to do that and come back with back-to-back wins after this defeat. Yeah, I look at the schedule. People were worried about – I was worried about the beginning of the schedule. I thought there was a potential for 0-2 because you got Baltimore-Pittsburgh, and we've seen them turn their seasons around and play better. Pittsburgh had the tie. I thought if they got down early, then the pessimists were going to come out, and it was going to be really hard on that. They got off to a quicker start. And everybody looks at the calendar now. It's not the calendar. The Raiders don't wake up and drink bad coffee and sleep in late once it gets to November. They play good football teams that prep better than them. They go up against better teams than them, and they've been proving that they can't win those 50-50 games. They can't win the games they're supposed to win, and that happens in November and December, and they got to own it. That's who this team is. The national media, that's all they're talking about. The collapse of doom is impending. It's the job of this coaching staff to have them ready Sunday. Absolutely, and I'll say this. After the two wins when Rich Bisaccia took over, everybody was super positive. It's like, he's the guy. Greg Olson, the play calling is amazing. They don't understand the situations the team has gone through since those two wins. It's been difficult, and now it's the time for the coaching staff to take the best out of this team, to be able to make this team a playoff team, a contender, to be able to be 1-0 every week, JT. Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the Raiders, kind enough to join us. Maybe the Dallas game could get moved to Mexico City. Please. Right? Maybe we move it to Raider Nation in Mexico City because the Cowboy fans show up there too. It would be amazing. Those games are amazing, right? Just incredible. And what have you learned in the past and how the Latino fans go to that game over the years, and that's just the Super Bowl for them. So it's basically like Vegas for all the fans that come out yeah. here. It's like when the Raiders play in Mexico City, we leave early. We get there on Thursday or Friday <laughs> night. We party the whole weekend. We have an amazing time. And for all everybody in the States, it's super cheap for us. Right. Like your hotel room, your Ubers, your everything you spend on a brew or two it's amazing and then everybody in the raider nation getting to meet people from different cultures it's incredible i i hope the i know we might not play any more mexico games because we got a a permanent home out here in vegas but hopefully someday a team that uh, jacksonville jaguar games get gets instead of london gets over to mexico or a pittsburgh the road game because we can't lose any games now in vegas and the stadium was incredible yesterday and i want to wrap it up with what happened overall? What is the what is the vibe of the Raider Nation right now? It's your job and my job 
to really get them going, right? That's what yeah. we get paid to do to say, look, it's not the end of the world here. And for them to have a great week and for Raider fans to come right back into Allegiant Stadium, there's not going to be Cincinnati fans like there were Philly fans and Kansas City fans. It's a packed Raider game. And Raider Nation just got to continue to go there with optimism that this team could finally play a good, dominant game again. They they scored 30 unanswered against Philadelphia, but they didn't start off fast in that game. I just want to see an early touchdown on the opening drive to take the other team out of the game and get some positive momentum. Exactly, and the fans might be disappointed, but they still care. They still meant that this team matters, and mm-hmm. it just has to be that positive vibe at the field. And fortunately, I didn't hear the fans boo a lot like it happened in that Jacksonville game last week. Not last week. The last game in Oakland where the fans just went crazy and started throwing stuff on the field. The fans were disappointed. The moment they went up 41-14, they started leaving, but they weren't criticizing the team there. I just need the Raider Nation to come out, show out, and be able to support this team and the team. They'll feed off of it, JT. Wash, rinse, and repeat. I'll see you in the J-Lot at the Black Hole coming up on Sunday, and we'll do it again. Thanks for coming up. Absolutely. Thank you so much, JT. Plug your show again for everybody listening, please. Absolutely. La Nacion on Deportes Vegas, 1460 AM, and DeportesVegas.com every Monday and Friday at noon from noon to 1. So if not, you can catch JT's podcast (laughs) the next day. But the first hour, you can listen to La Nacion too. JT, thank you so much for having me, No problem with that. Thank you, Harry. Appreciate that. When we come back, Mark Anderson from the Review Journal will join us. We'll talk to him. About Hey, UNLV, I ran into Marcus Arroyo at the Cosmopolitan on Saturday night and shook his hand after UNLV won a couple of games, which is great. We're brought to you by BillsHappen.com. When you need extra cash, go to BillsHappen.com. If your credit cards are maxed out, if you have bad credit, you're not a bad guy. BillsHappen.com will take care of you. You can get up to $5,000 cash as early as tomorrow. Go to BillsHappen.com. Back into the gun. Backfield is empty. Takes a snap. Looks into the end zone. Fires. Jackpot, baby. Darren Waller with a touchdown for the Raiders. Holding. Offense number 75. 10 yard penalty. Repeat second down. Are you kidding me? Another penalty? That's Brad Musburger, Lincoln Kennedy on the call. JT back with you. An aftermath Monday. As we're breaking down the loss, 41-14, to and why the Raiders got exposed in that game and what they have to do to bounce back here. You know, there's two thoughts that I have today. One is the individual game, what happened in the game. We're trying to pick out, pick out points in the game where the game could have changed. And Chris in West Oakland called the post-game show last night, and he gave me a little bit of pushback because I thought the Raiders were dominated in the game. They just were blown out. And he pointed out, no, they weren't. There was a time in this game if Deshaun Jackson – does not fumble that ball. And after the fumble, they kicked the field goal to go up 27-14. to 14. And if you're talking about a one-score game, if they don't get it, they're sitting there at 24 and the Raiders are at 21. That's a completely different game. Not saying the Raiders would have won the game. Not saying they would have won the game. But they would have been in a position where it would have been manageable. It would have been manageable and then they could have went back and forth. And then Darrell Williams just took over the game. He was incredible. He had a monster game. So for the Raiders, they are back to scratch 
They're back to square one now. They can't guard Kelsey, and they can't guard Tyreek Hill. Period. They don't have the players to do it. We can talk about the scheme. My big thing is, are they lined up correctly? But after what I saw, no, they're back to square one. Mark Anderson joins us from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, one of the best journalists in town in the entire state. Mark, let's start with the Raiders and how you saw a game that meant everything to this franchise. Could have gave them sole possession of first place, and they lose so badly. I, I agree with what you just said, JT. I think I think they're back to square one, trying to figure it out. And you know, I think I think Gus Bradley was was went with his cover three last night because that's what he's been, that's what he does. And you know, the the Raiders exploited it, but you know, then he switched and put Jonathan Abram more in a regular coverage position second half. And well, you see why that he plays cover three because you can't put Abram in that position. So. Um, you know, the NFL, is, as you know, is a very much a week-to-week league. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cincinnati can come in here next year, next week, and maybe the Raiders beat them by two touchdowns. I mean, it's just look. You look at the results each week, and you're like, how did that happen? So, you know, I try not to make too big a deal of any one game. Mm-hmm. The problem in my mind is this is two weeks in a row now. They've they've made mistakes you should not be making. Well, I would agree with you. That's you're a journalist, and you know from covering sports as long as you have that you can't make everything about one game unless it's an elimination game, unless it's a game where the season's over and you're eliminated there. But what concerns me going into the Cincinnati game is I don't know what the the vision of the offense is. I know the coordinators well. I know the coaches can coach. I know the depth of that playbook. And I know how Carr can take over games with his arm and really find big pass plays to Edwards and Renfro and to Waller. I just don't think they're taking as many chances. They don't believe in themselves like they did a month ago where they believe they could go up against anyone, anywhere, at any time and just attack. Yeah, I mean, where you're seeing the, the, the absence of Henry Ruggs, you know, it's just, I, I just think they don't, I think you're right, I don't think they feel confident of going over the top anymore. Um, and, and Derek Carr, the, you know, early on, Derek Carr didn't have a running game. He didn't have much of an offensive line. He was carrying this team. So he's, he was showing what he could do. Um, and now, but I think I think you, at the time you felt comfortable within his receivers, and that, that he could go to any one receiver, and the Henry Ruggs would open up every everything for all the receivers, which he was doing. I think I think now until until the Raiders can prove otherwise, opponents just aren't afraid of getting beat over the top. And you know, Deshaun Jackson's supposed to be that player, and maybe he'll work his way into into that role. And last night he had a great opportunity to do it, and he had the end zone in front of him, and I. I don't know what happened. It just seemed like he came down and didn't quite know where he was or maybe saw the two defenders and tried to shoot them. I'm not sure. I think if he just catches the ball and goes, he probably scores a touchdown. Mark Anderson's our guest from the Review Journal. So tell me about UNLV football. I saw Coach Arroyo and congratulated him with the win. Was he coaching for his job or because he's under contract, he was going to be here either way? And we keep hearing about the good recruits that are going to come in here eventually. How important were these last two wins? Oh yeah, they're really big. I don't think they're important for his job, though. I think he's coming back next season, regardless. You know, it, they're still they still have an interim AD. It mm. doesn't doesn't sound like uh, they'll have a, a, a full time AD in in place in in, in uh, to give enough time to mm. if they make a coaching move. Who do you bring in? Um, and I think he I think you bring him back another year, regardless. You know, he, he last year almost a throwaway season, really, with the COVID. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this year you're starting to see that okay, maybe he's, this program's feeling a bit better under him. So let's see what he can do with uh, with another year, uh, another year next season, and 
and maybe he can build on what's happening into this season. And if he can get them to bowl eligibility, then then he might be your coach. Um, but if you know if they, you know, if next year at this time they're they're stuck at two or three wins, and maybe look elsewhere. Mark Anderson, as we wrap it up, tell me about Rebels basketball. I'm a big believer. Kevin Kruger, obviously Lon Kruger now back here, and just hope this team can get on a roll, shoot a better percentage, and win some games early on in the season. How do you say it? Yeah, I, I think Kevin Kruger made the decision, even going into what players he's going to bring in for his first team, that he, he's going to try to win with defense. Mm-hmm. That that was going to be his emphasis, and, it, and these games aren't pretty, but you know what? If you keep winning, it doesn't really matter. So um, at some point, though, he'll they'll have to shoot better. There's no question about it. You can't keep shooting their percentages now and expect to win a bunch of games. But, um, and he knew coming into the season they didn't, they weren't a great outside shooting team. But, you know, if they get a game here and there where they can have a decent out, decent game, you know, they might be able to sneak out some extra wins. So I think I think if uh, – but, but that defense is playing really well. And mm-hmm. I think that's – I think not only this season, I just think that's his – I think that's his philosophy. And uh, the, that's going to be his number one priority is defense. And I think that's where you're going to see every, each year from, from him. Thank you, Mark. We'll talk to you again on a Monday. Thanks for the time. Appreciate you. Sounds good, JT. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Mark Anderson, Las Vegas Review Journal. You catch him on Mondays. We're back to our grid, as we call it here this week. Tuesdays, Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. Tom Flores, who I had a chance to spend some time with. Bill Williamson on Wednesday with Steph McKenzie. We also have Vic Tafer, who joins us. Chris Matthews. We'll get into all of our guests that we have every week here. Uh, Jim Plunkett every Friday. Spent a lot of time with Jim. He came on the pregame show. And if they would have won the game, I would have been JT Storyteller. I would have been seriously name-dropping, man. I had a weekend of name-dropping and a couple of great nights with my friends in town. I had a buddy of mine who I got into Winfield Club. He came down there with me and just this guy I've been going to Super Bowls with for 20 years. One of my best friends. We grew up together. He looked at me and said, what is this? I said, yeah, just take it all in. And just to sit in those booths with the bottle service as we're seeing the kicks go through the uprights, it was incredible to see that location down there. And at one point in the game, I went and said hi to a buddy in 322, left my seats and went up to 322 and had a beer with a buddy who had great seats, great seats, where he was, not a bad seat in the house, a lot of people, and we had a big crowd that showed up for our pregame show again. You know, I hope there's not a letdown against Cincinnati for the fans because this is a big game, Sunday night football. It doesn't get any bigger than that. But there were a lot of Kansas City fans that bought those tickets you know, on StubHub or whatever they paid for them. Money was no object to them. They were at the steakhouses. They were everywhere in town because they're, they're a team that's been to back-to-back Super Bowls, and this is the rival. They were going to come out for the road trip. 702-365-9200. There should never be an open line on the show. I can go 14 days without taking a call, but we want people calling in and matching my energy coming off a loss. You should have several opinions. We gave you everything here, so we want to know what you think about it. 702-365-9200. We'll have some of the post-game sound from last night. Rich Passaccia and Derek Carr. One quick thing about Derek. So probably about 40 minutes or 50 minutes into the postgame show, uh, Derek came out of the tunnel with his wife and his kids, all his boys. He's got three little boys, and they were playing touchdown in the end zone. So they were playing tackle football. It was really cool to see. Derek was devastated. Not devastated, but he he lost the game, but he's a dad. So afterwards, he came out in the tunnel, 
And he just was with his kids in the end zone. His kids are throwing passes and spiking the football in the end zone there because he's a dad. These are the kids who are only going to be this young, this short of time. So he was out there doing his dad duty as the kids were having fun out there. And to take the calls that I was taking last night as I was looking at Carr in the end zone with his kids, you know, was two extremes, right? A, a guy being a dad who's a good guy and the caller's calling in, uh, just very critical of the team. It turns out Washington football team's head coach, Ron Rivera, has confirmed that Chase Young is out for the rest of the year with a leg injury. What a devastating loss. They beat the world champs, but the Washington football team received the news that feared defensive end Chase Young is done for the year. Ron Rivera confirmed that earlier today on a conference call. Raiders see them in a couple of weeks, and that's a big loss for Washington. You don't root for injuries when it happens to an opponent coming in, but that would be the big guy that they have to cover. Look at ESPN doing a whole big thing on the Chiefs now. What a surprise. Chiefs have a game like this, and here we go. They're right back to the top of the mountain at ESPN and all these other venues who are talking about them. 702-365-9200. One more segment for phone calls. 702-365-9200. As I told you, I'm at Doghouse at 430. Inside Resorts World, come on by and say hi. I'll be there from 4.30 to 6 before my national show. It's an amazing venue. We love being there. Monday Night Football at Doghouse. We're brought to you by Modelo, proud sponsor of the Raiders. Modelo, as we know, the fighting spirit. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. The next time you're watching a Raider game, make sure you have a Modelo, a special within reach. As we come back, final segment of the show coming up, and then we're on to Kansas City. Too easy to say that. Excuse me, on to Cincinnati. I was thinking of Belichick. On to Kansas City. No, 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 no. (laughs) No, no, no. I don't want. We're not on to Kansas City. Let's put that way back on the back back burner and get a win against Cincinnati. How nice would that be to get to six and four and kind of get the energy back up again on the winning side? Only way the Raiders could do it is they got to turn it around quickly and win that game. Uh, obviously, when you lose, you, you, you don't want to execute a little better. Um, but no, I, I don't think so. I think, you know, uh, we just got to focus on getting better. I, I, there's nothing that I've seen in practice. I feel like we've had, you know, two really good practices. Um, the last two weeks. Um, so obviously we might need to change something up because uh, we haven't came out and played as well as we would have liked. But, uh, but no, I think the, execu- the, uh, the focus has been there. The preparation has been there. Um, we'll just have to find out what it is uh, come game day. JT, that's Hunter Renfro. Thanks for coming back, everybody. This was brought to you by Sam and Ash, Sam and Ash Law.com, because you deserve what's right. If you get in a car accident... Just remember, Sam and Ash is the two to call. They'll pick up the phone. They'll talk to you. They'll get you more compensation. They'll work harder for you, and they're transparent. They'll call you. They'll stay on top of your case. 702-820-1234, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Go to SamAndAshLaw.com because you deserve what's right. Looking at some of these opponents that the Raiders have coming up, remember, they Raiders beat the Ravens. They got beat by the Dolphins badly, 22-10. Cowboys beat the Falcons, 43-3. So the Cowboys had a bounce-back win. Uh, The Colts won against the Jaguars. Another opponent the Raiders have to beat later in the season, 23-17. 
Uh, the Browns, the Raiders are playing later in the year. They lost to the Pats 45-7. to They're up 7 nothing, 45 unanswered. you got to be kidding me with that. And then Washington beat Tampa Bay 21-19, but they lose Chase Young for the year. And he's their best player. And the Chargers lost to the Vikings, and the Broncos lost to the Eagles. Fortunately, the only thing fortunate for the Raiders is that the Chargers lost. I don't think the Broncos are going to be there at the end. The Chargers will be. And the Chargers are up and down. I mean, the Chargers could be a team that could win six in a row, seven in a row, but for whatever reason, they find a way to lose games. Justin Herbert only scores 20 points at home? How does that happen? How do the Raiders only score 14 at home? Rossi in Australia. What's happening, mate? I think you said you're coming out to the Cincinnati game, right? Uh, no, I'm out for the Washington game. Washington, um, okay. uh, I wish I could jump on uh, and, and come this weekend and see the response. But, uh, no, the Washington game, really excited. As long as we don't see that same performance and energy, yeah, it's, uh, it, it was tough. It was mm. tough, tough to watch. Um, I, I, I don't know what you want to do with... Face adversity. We talked about changing in the offensive formation and where to line up Waller and how many targets. And uh, the, the Chiefs just went, we're just going to outscore you. And, and they played defense accordingly, and we had no answer to it. It's just really disappointing. Um, I'm not a big PFF fan, but to read the results of Abraham and, and Face on, uh, both giving up nine catches and two touchdowns, it, mm. it just just doesn't look good, and, it, and it's the optics of it, which is it's a follow-on from the Giants game that we hung around, we played badly in and hung around, and this one we played badly and we got blown out of the water. So, would you have taken five and four before the season starts? Mm. Yes, but not on the trajectory that the, the team looks at the moment. Yeah, that's good, Rossi. Look forward to seeing you out here. Thanks for the call. Again, 6-4 and four would be a best-case scenario after 10 games. Best. Best-case scenario because of the tragedy surrounding what happened with the Henry Ruggs accident with Tina Tintor, John Gruden's resignation. There is news on that, by the way. John Gruden is suing the NFL. Didn't get a chance to get into that uh, heading into the weekend. But that is a big development. It's a Raider development. And then Damon Arnett. And then the injuries. So all this coming through fortunately there hasn't been a big COVID issue like there was last year but six and four would be a good situation to be in considering how poorly they played to be two games over 500 after 10 games with eight to play and a couple of games they should win now you can do the math and it's all going to come down to so now the Raiders have wasted any goodwill that they had to make the playoffs if they were going to make the playoffs not easily but comfortably that's gone that's gone. they got to play their way in, as Harry Ruiz said when he came on. It's 1-0 every week. They're going to have to play their ass off and just play faster. I just want to see an urgency that I didn't see, an urgency that we don't see. Jose in San Jose, thanks for waiting. You're up next. Hey, JT, this is Big Jose in San Jose. Hey, what's happening? Hey, I wanted to just, I just, I just wanted to, hey, I love your show. I just wanted to mention that um, this, season is becoming eerily much like the season, I forget the year was, but the year that McFadden went down and then Bush went down and then Jason Campbell went down and we had started 7-3 and three, and then we had a chance, we're sitting there at 7-8 uh, at at and, well, and eight 
with a chance to you know beat the Broncos and actually win the division and lost to Tim Tebow with the Carson Palmer deal and everything else. It's just really unsettling that you know this team has showed glimpse of what they can be, and then just when you get comfortable embracing that team, they they revert back to making the mistakes. I mean, I think uh, it was egregious the the mistake that Crosby made on that roughing that unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, and then all the mistakes by the offensive line. I mean, we can't even get out of our own way. You know, it's just, it's the frustrating. Yeah, the, the penalties are killers, no doubt. Thanks for the call. The penalties, as they start to stack up, and Max played hard through a play, and just, you know, you throw someone at the end of a play down, I think that's okay. It's a borderline call, but we know what the league does now. We know what the league does. If you put your hand on a quarterback or you put your hand on a receiver or a running back and the whistle's blown dead, that's what's going to happen. The issue was Mahomes was 35 of 50 for 406 yards. And the leading rusher was Williams, who had 43 yards. Andy Reid said coming into this game, we're just going to throw. We're going to find Jonathan Abram, and we're going to throw right at him. Pretty easy game plan, isn't it? How would you like that game plan every week if you're Kansas City? They don't have that game plan every week. This one, they know the plays that the Raiders can't cover. So you don't need a film vault. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to go to the Smithsonian. All you got to do is go back two, three, four, five years and go into Kansas City's vault and look at the plays that they run against the Raiders. They run the same ones every time, and the Raiders can't figure it out. The Tyreek Hill, in motion, runs 10 yards, heads out of bounds, and then goes up. The down and up. And someone bites on it. Corner can't stay with him. Safety's trying to come over late to make the catch, and he catches it on the sidelines. And you go, oh, wow, I've seen that 100 times. I'm exaggerating. I've seen it, what, 40 times? How many times are they going to run the same play? How many times are they going to, my biggest pet peeve, of all time. You ready for it? Of all time. Number one on the JT the Brick pet peeve. Travis Kelsey lining up with a linebacker five yards deep. Not the linebacker in his face. Not the linebacker lean down like Lester Hayes, the judge, and as soon as the ball snap, boom, hands go right up to his chest. You just try to slow him down a bit. No, Kelsey, five yards, no one in front of him. And he's got a linebacker chasing him on an out route or an in route. How's that working out? It doesn't work out. So put your hands on Kelsey and double team him. And put your hands on Tyreek Hill and double-team him. Tyreek Hill, I understand. You might want to give him 5, 10 yards because if he beats you off the line of scrimmage, he's gone. But Kelsey, Kelsey's getting older. He's not at a point now where you can give him a free release on his route. And they always do. Always. And I sit there during the game, I go, I'm not seeing this again, am I? And it happens. And the scheme is set. You know, you want to go three high, you want whatever you want to do with this Gus Bradley or Paul Gunther scheme, whoever it is over the years, it's soft on the tight end, Travis Kelsey. Is it soft coverage on Waller? Anybody? No, it's pretty tough on Waller, isn't it? Two guys draped on him every play. And Kelsey, you got to tip your cap because, you know, he finds ways to get open. He's great at getting open. He is fantastic. Uh, he's a basketball player. He knows how to put his body in between the man and make a play. 702-365-9200. Carla always comes to the set and brings gifts and buys me a cold beer at the end of the pregame show. I appreciate that, Carla. Hey, JT. How's it going? I thought I, I woke up in a bad mood after hearing you. <laughs> My goodness. I was, I'm just, I'm just in shock. I've been in shock the last 
four weeks. Just it's just one thing after another. The game last night, I I was speechless. Like there was nothing to cheer for. You know, it was just so upsetting, and I don't know why. Why the coach can't put Mariota in on some plays? You know, mix it up. Like, give us something else to look at. Like you said, the same old Raiders. I mean, here we go again. But Marcus Mariota has done nothing but good for us. And I say, I, I'm not, you know, I love Derek. Derek's my quarterback. Mm. But I think Derek, Derek needs a little help right now. You know, I really yeah. do. I think he, he's got so much on his shoulders. And people got, they, they need to just come through and take some pressure off of him. You know, I really, I just, I firmly believe that. And other than that, I'll see you for my uh, photo op next week, okay? You got it. Thanks, Carl. I appreciate you checking in. Good to see you at the game as always. And when we look at Mariota, let me double check here. I mean, we talk about what Marcus Mariota can bring to this team. He's played in four games. He has three carries for 41 yards. That's it. As a backup quarterback. I repeat again. He's played four games. He's had three attempts for 41 yards, averaging 13.7 a carry, and that is it. So I don't know why people – and he hasn't thrown a pass. So Marcus Mariota is just a guy who might run the ball. That's why we have the best backup quarterback in all of football. Why didn't every team beg the Raiders to trade for him? Beg him. And if the Raiders say, no, 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 we need him in case Derek gets hurt, I get it. But how come we didn't hear Adam Schefter reporting Carolina or some team wanted Marcus Mariota? We sure as hell don't use him. We don't use him. He's a celebrity. Fans love him, and he doesn't play. So how's that working out? You want you want a backup quarterback that you use a handful of times a year? Look, I'm a Derek guy. I leave Derek in the game too. But I think that if the team would have traded Mariota and got something in return – I would have been much better with that. Nash is in Houston. Thanks for calling the flagship. Nash, what's happening? Hey, I appreciate it, man. Hey, uh, just a couple of comments again. Uh, Cincinnati is a must win. Mm-hmm. Uh, to your point, six and four, we need that. I mean, we still got six games against people that were fighting for a playoff spot. We got to go four and two mm-hmm. against those guys. That's why Cincinnati is so important. It's a home game. Hopefully, we can pick up some of those other ones. And just to echo what you just said, I mean, uh, Jonathan Abrams, I mean, again, it, it, he's got a target on him when he's out there. And he just can't cover, and, and, and people are looking for him. That's what happened against the Giants. That's what happened against the Chiefs as well. So, uh, you know, we just got to focus and get back. And, and again, uh, they need to listen to your game plan. I mean, let's let's start, at, you know, targeting uh, Waller as much as they target uh, Kelsey. I mean, why aren't we giving him 10, 12 targets a game? I mean, got to get him open the same way, you know, the Rams get uh, Cuff open all the time too. Find a way to get him open. I mean, he's our best guy, and we got to utilize him more. A voice of reason. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Again, I know it was pretty hard on Jonathan Abram today, and I think that John Abram plays well against other teams. The point I made the whole show is that I don't think he should be on the field during the Kansas City game. I don't. How hard is that to figure out? That's not me going out on a limb, everybody. It's pretty obvious to everybody, but I I would have Jonathan Abram ready to go against Cincinnati, Denver, Washington, Dallas, all those teams. But Kansas City... That's all they want to do is go against him. So give someone else a chance to defend it a little bit better. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. Thanks to all of our guests. Mark Anderson, Harry Ruiz in studio, Rod Woodson, the Hall of Famer. Nice job today. You can catch me every night on Sirius XM from 7 to 10 p.m. Mad Dog Sports Radio. 
on Sirius XM Channel 82. We're on to Cincinnati. Tomorrow we'll go big with it. We'll start the preview. We'll have a few short days to do that. And hopefully optimism abounds after a couple of days with the holidays right around the season and the Raiders at Dallas. Have a great day, everybody. Cue on deck. Vinny Bonson, you're after that.